Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. I, I love watching what God God can do, I, and, and they watch this vi- the the service each week. So uh, I'm also very impressed with Tracy, his wife's video. You know, in and out, and get a picture. So Tracy, great job on that video. I love it. Um, let it be an encouragement. Look, wherever you are, whatever stage in life, whatever you're doing, whatever, I don't care how old, how young, uh, job, no job, school, not school, whatever it is, you have an opportunity to bring the gospel of hope and just being obedient to what God calls you to. So I, I love these stories. They're, they're fantastic. We're in the book of James. We've been going uh, through the book, and it, one of my favorite, and I think it's been a good study, we'll be rolling in through to Christmas on this. But why don't you join us? If you have your Bibles, or you can read it on the screen, uh, we're going to start this morning in James one or 3, 1 through 12. As you turn there, it says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at a ship also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder whenever the wind of the pilot, will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great is a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed as been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is relentless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord the Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, uh, my brothers, bear olives or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. For the men and the women are here, Lord, I, I pray that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, that you'd come into this place, that you'd pour out your spirit on this place, Father. God, that you would deliver, that you would uh, uh, restore, that you would rescue, that you would do the miraculous. Lord, that we would hear your words and that we would do what you've called us to, even as we watch Chris in that video, being obedient to your calling on his life. Lord, I thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 
This theme that James has been talking about as we've gone through each week is, is the same. Saving faith in God always leads a believer to participating in good works. There's this connection of faith and doing. It's, it, 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 and James is saying, look, look, don't tell me that you know Jesus and you're not doing anything. And the tension always there is this, that you can earn your way. No, 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 you can't earn your way. We talked that, we established that early. That faith um, comes and, and salvation comes through grace. Nothing you can do to earn it. But when you have this encounter with Jesus, when you have this encounter with the creator of heaven and earth, what it does is it changes you. You're never the same. How do you not tell others about Jesus? How does your life not look different than it did prior to that? And James' theme is this. Again, saving faith in God always leads to a believer participating in good works. I was, I was actually praying this morning through what we're going to talk about. And usually when I pray, I, I, I ask God, I said, Lord, you know, as, as I'm seeking the scriptures and going through my messages, and I'm like, God, who's this for? Who's this for? Because I believe God speaks specifically to certain people. And as clear as could be, the Holy Spirit said, this is for you. You know, I thought it was for you guys on words that matter. But God is, it, and the reality is this, God is speaking to all of us on this as we see, because this is a very interesting topic. James 3, 1 through 12, he says, here James launches into this new passage about controlling our words, continuing his theme. It's this, this flow, and when you read this book, and you read James, and you see the flow of how he speaks, and, and coming back to words, and coming back to how important they are, he's saying to us, Church, we need to look at this. Church, we need to wake up. Church, there's something here. And the reality is this. In this passage or in this book, he wants us to feel the weight. He, he wants, James wants us to feel the weight of those phones that are in our pockets. Come on, that's funny. Phone went off, you know, phone in the pocket. Come on, stay with me. He, he wants us to feel the weight of the words that you and I speak. And, and we've come into this, this time of, of life where, where our words are so loose. They just go forth. They come from our mouth. And the Bible says, out of the bunch of heart a man speaks. But they just go forth. And we don't even think twice about them. And in this scripture, James goes, I need you to feel the weight. Jesus says this. I tell you on the day of judgment, people, you will give an account for every careless word you speak. Dear Lord, have mercy. You know why this is about me? A lot of careless words in my life. I look back and I go, oh, oh God, have mercy. Please forgive me. For by your words, you will be justified. That's Romans 10, 9. If you confess Jesus your Lord, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. I don't need you, Jesus. Words are important. Uh, we talked about this several weeks ago because James hit it in, in James 1 and 2 also. But he, but he starts with this verse. It's, it's kind of odd, you know. It's stuck between all this about being a Christian. Word. But he goes to the pastors and he says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. It, it always seems kind of an odd place to put this, this passage. But this, this verse is sandwiched between James' instructions about the kind of faith that produces good works and the warnings about our words. So we should view it within that context. 
And he, and he says this, those who claim to be a teacher, pastor, leading a Bible study, home church, whatever it might be, you face stricter judgment or you'll be judged with greater stri strict strictness, which, which kind of scares me a little bit with the loose words that sometimes I have. See, the issue and what theologians believe was going on is this, that as, as the gospel started to go forth, there were all these, these guys that wanted to preach the word. But the problem with it was that some were really immature in their faith. Some were doing it just because they wanted to be seen as teachers. Some of them didn't have the lifestyle that matched up with the words that they were speaking. <laughs> were you just convicted, Eddie, or is that, a, is that pizza? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You know, there's this disconnect. We reinforced it. You'll be all right. There's this disconnect that, that, that James is talking about, and that's why he throws this in here. And, and he says this to you teachers, there, that, that we will be held accountable, that you will be held accountable to live by the truth that you teach. That you will be held responsible not to, the, to lead people away from God's word with their own words. To you as a church, you should see this, you should pray. The one that's teaching you is accountable. And, and you should keep him accountable to the word of God. And if it starts to go a little left, starts to go a little right, you should confront him. And you should, then you should confront his leadership team if he doesn't listen. And if his leadership team and the pastor doesn't listen and he's left or he's right, you go to another church. I was... Uh, having lunch this week with two young men and uh, I've been in these conversations with one of them um, about church and, and he never goes to church. He, not never, that, that's an absolute. Rarely does he go to church. Um, and, and he's got this new theology on truth. Oh, that's interesting. There's really nothing new. The word of God is the word of God. So I said, let's have lunch this week and kind of talk. Well, unbeknownst to me, he invites his new pastor with him. Oh, this gets good, I'm telling you. Gosh, too bad I wasn't on the ice. Um, it would have been more fun even then. But he, So there's, there's four of us here. And, and this pastor had left a big church and was kind of starting his own church, and, and it was a home church. And Oh, that's great. I'm like, that, that's encouraging. But then this pastor started talking. And that's where everything went downhill. He, he, I, gosh, I asked him, about it. he said, well, here's, here's what I've asked my, my church, my small group to do this next year. Don't read the Bible. Oh, no, no, I, I, whoa. He said, don't read the Bible. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> he says, here's what I want you, I just want you to experience Jesus. I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> Words have meanings. And I think it was appropriate. <laughs> just experience, get away. Jesus would get away and he would just pray and experience Jesus. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, that sounds great and it's true. But how about when Jesus is being tempted? He says it three times. What does he say? It is written. So I've got Jesus over here that is sitting and relying on the word of God, his word. He is the word incarnate, but he's, he's pronouncing, it is written, it is written, it is written. And I got this guy going, don't read your Bible for a year. <laughs> then I asked him a question that 
really stirred it up and will stir some of you up. I said, what's your stance on homosexuality? And it was just like this. Quiet. And then he said this. Well, I, I don't want to get into that. And, and I said, well, that kind of sounds to me like you don't really have a conviction about it. That, it, it, that it's hidden. And, and, and this is what James is talking about. And I, and I, I told the guy, literally, I, I said, I'm scared for you. Because the Bible says clearly in James 3, you will stand before God and you will give an account what you say to these people. Now, let's be clear. Look, I, I don't know any pastor that doesn't miss the mark here and there. But that isn't missing the mark. That's straight heresy. There's a big difference. I have said things that I've had to correct. I have said stupid things. But by the grace of God, that's totally different. And, and, and James says... Um, and it's so, I think, apropos, because it applies to the culture today. We have these little break-offs. I think wonderful break-off churches. I think home churches are, I think it's going to, that's where we're going. I think all these things that are happening. But he says, look, not many of you ought to be teachers. You should walk in the fear of the Lord when you take this word and you teach someone. When you're doing a Bible study. When you're at a conference. When you're standing in front of a church. There's a weight. Now, now the, the natural progression for Christians should be that each one of us should teach. Maybe not in front of a crowd. Maybe not, you know, here on a Sunday. But at some point, you're going to stand with someone and you're going to disciple them. Or you should. And you're teaching. And James says, you better have the fear of the Lord. You better have the fear of the Lord because you're going to stand before me someday. And he moves into verse 2. He says this, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. We know that there's none perfect except for Jesus. James knew that too. And uh, a a, a common uh, misconception when we look at this book is people go, oh, he's looking for perfection, looking for perfection. You know, don't stumble in any ways. Your words, don't stumble in any ways. And, and that's not what he's saying at all. That's not what James is saying. How do we know that? Because he says this, and he humanizes himself. He says, for we all, which says to us this, that James struggled with this struggle. James dealt with this very thing. Words. Because he wouldn't say, for we all, if he didn't have that ex- same experience, he would say, you guys, you sinners, you out there that can't control your words. And I love the way that, that he's humanized here. Because he, he's saying, look, I've got to watch my words. I've got to watch what I say. See, our goal is, is to stop stumbling. Our goal is, as I always say, you guys are probably sick of it, it's to close the gap. Life is about gaps. It's about gaps. And the gaps are this, what I say and what I do. And, and, and what God calls us to is to close that gap. It'll never be here. Only Jesus was here. What he said and what he did was here. There was no gap in between it. But you and I, there's these gaps between what we say and what we do. I love Jesus, and I'm over here drinking a 40 getting hammered. Does anybody drink 40s? Is it a 40? 48? 62? See, that was an indictment on, on, on being such a great pastor that I don't know what ounces of alcohol are in a can. 
except for the 12-ounce Coors Light. <laughs> what we say and what we do, it's, it's closing that gap in life. And that's what James is saying. To be in control of our words, our thoughts, our actions at all times. To be Christ-like, like Jesus. Sanctification, the process of becoming more like Jesus, is that gap closing, 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 closing. That's what I want to do in my marriage. That's what I want to do as a pastor. That's what I want to do with my kids. That's what he's called us to do in this life. And he gives us the signs of a mature believer. A believer that doesn't say anything unkind. That doesn't say anything hurtful. Selfish, proud, rude, manipulative. One whose goal is to only say the words motivated by faith in God and love for each other. That's a mature believer. That's the gap I'm trying to go. That's, that's who I'm trying to be. That's who I'm trying to be in Christ Jesus. Let's pause. Feel the weight of this word. Just, just pause for a moment. Examine. James says, examine your life. Where are you with your words? You loose? Tight? Examine your life. Do, do I say I love Jesus, but then over here I'm rude, manipulative, selfish, hurtful, unkind? Is there, is there a large chasm between what I say and what I do, or is there a tighter one? How do we do this? James addressed it early on. He said this in James 1.19. He says, now this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, Slow to anger. Look, take these three things. Just, just put them on a card and put them right on your dashboard. Or put them right in front of your desk. Put them right in your mirror when you wake up in the morning. Take this scripture and eat it and understand it and wrestle with it. Look, the only way you're going to change is if you take the scripture and you digest it. And digesting it means, you know, that, that, that you grab a hold of it. It sits inside of you and it, it twirls around and it changes you. Proverbs 15.1 says this way. It says, the soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How do we change our words? A soft answer. Terrible at this. I'm absolutely terrible at this. I, 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 look at her smiling. Because she's in her heart, she's like, yes, he's terrible, and I want to tell all of you how terrible at it he is. Kind of. Kind of, they see a she's telling the truth. On the other hand, her, her soft words just de-escalates everything. And takes us from here to here in a matter of moments. Now he moves on, James, and he moves into verses six through nine. And he shifts to three really clear analogies about a horse, a ship, and a forest fire. And he gives these word pictures and these illustrations. You know, I, I, I love the way that Jesus and James and the apostles and, and the way they would, they would paint pictures because I, I see things through pictures. It's why we had the banana palm here last week. If you were here and you saw that, it's, I mean, you didn't forget that. You may have forgot the rest of what I said, but you didn't forget the banana palm. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. Um, but James illustrates his points about the tongue using three clear points. He says in verse 3, he says, A horse can be controlled by a tiny bit in their mouth. Have you ever seen a horse's bit? 
And you see the, the, the massive horses, and this little bit controls them, right, left, whatever they do. He says a huge ship is at sea, is guided by a small rudder. You look at the rudders on a boat, and they, I mean, not that big. And it, it, totally, it controls where the boat's going. And then he says in verse 4, he says, A forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Just a spark can burn thousands of acres, can devastate a spark. A small fire can devastate everything around it. And James says, does that sound like anybody's marriage? Just because the tongue is small does not mean it's weak. Words are powerful. And they've brought down whole kingdoms. Uh, a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Let, 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 words matter. I'm, I'm going to give you three words, and I want to show you why words matter. And tell you why they matter so much. First word is divorce. When we got married, and when we do marriage counseling, Chris and I, we have rules of engagement, rules around our marriage. And, 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 and rule number one is this, never say the word divorce. See, because here's what happens. Here's why words matter. Here's what James is talking about. Because even though I love her, and even though, you know, I'm, oh, we're not going to get divorced, if, if, if those words come out of my mouth, the, the fight may get resolved a day or an hour or two hours later. All that may get resolved, but here's what happens. Words have powers, and the word divorce goes into the soil of her heart or my heart, and it starts to kind of take a little root. Now, the, the fight is over, but you know what the enemy does? He takes that word, and in the, in the night hours when you're just sitting there and you're reflecting on it, what he does is he speaks to her, speaks to me, and says, he said divorce. She said divorce. And then you go, oh, well, yeah, that's right. Whether you meant it or not, and starts to take this word and it starts to grow. And then when he goes, you think he really meant it? No, 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 no. I think he really meant it. And you start having these conversations with the enemy. Genesis 3. Don't engage in the conversation. And, and this word goes deep into your soul. Therefore, we have made this commitment to never even utter the words divorce, whether it be in jest or whether it be in the heat of an argument. I'm not going to give room for the enemy. I'm not going to allow that to sit in her soul or my soul. Why? Because words matter. They're powerful. And that small spark can set ablaze. And if you believe that divorce is an option and eventually it comes to fruition, you know what that forest fire does? It destroys families. You know what the enemy wants? He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy generations. And when we talk about this blaze, when we talk about forest fires, that this small spark burns thousands and thousands of acres and destroys houses, it's the same thing with this word. It destroys generation after generation of children that get into this thing that their parents divorced over and it changes them. It changes them. Words have meaning. How about this word? Stupid. You ever said that to your kid? You ever said that to your spouse? I was, I was reading on words and the meanings and what it does to children as they're growing up. Now, by God's grace, and I've said this before, 
I have amazing parents. I don't know if that word has ever been uttered. I can't, I can't remember a single foul word, break me down word from, that came from my parents' mouth. I don't remember a single, by the grace of God, and thank you. You tell a kid, he's stupid, meaning it in just a, a fit of rage or just, just loose words. You start this path. That little spark, that little fire starts, and it just kind of, and then all of a sudden, the child, the enemy, uses it and goes, hey, you're, you're stupid. I, I, I've got a son that, that was said of him by other kids. No, we, we found out he had some learning dis, disorders. And, and kids would say that, and they go, you're not stupid. You're just a little slow like that. You gotta figure out things differently. You, you gotta process differently. You need to touch it. You need to experience it. And, and this kid is now going through one of the most grueling programs in, in the United States. He's trying to become a Navy SEAL. And this kid was told he was stupid. He's finding ways to work it. Words matter. This one will tick some people off. Boy. As defined by genitalia and, and, and uh, genes. Period. Every, I mean, we're all up in arms because we, we can't figure out what boy is. I can figure out what a boy is. I can figure out what a girl is. I can tell you what it is. And if you don't like it, you're out of your mind. And if we can't stand as Christians and take a stand and say, no, 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 this is what a boy is. Now, hear me when I say this. I, there, there's compassion. There's a lot of confusion that I think the enemy brings to our kids today. I'm not sitting there. I'm not saying standing up and, and, and beating someone over the head with it. But I'm saying I am not going to compromise God's creation. But I'm going to love others. Words matter. It sounds dramatic. Whole societies and whole kingdoms have fallen because of words. It's true. Go read. Roman Empire. I, I quoted this and talked about it a couple weeks ago in, in How the Irish Saved the World. This, this small book talked about five things that brought down the, or the, 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 the Roman Empire. One of those four or five things was words lost their meanings. See, if, if, if your leaders are saying things that don't really mean what they're saying, if the words don't hold any value, how do you trust them? How do you trust anybody in a society if what they say doesn't mean what it means? Words matter. That's what James is talking about. A forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The fear of God should just sit in our souls around this. It doesn't always, but it should. My question to us, how many forests have you set fire to? Words matter. Hebrews 11.3 says this, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. This whole, everything we see by God speaking, the power of his words. By faith we speak life, church. One of the things I love about this woman, one of the things I, that just, just, 
is amazing is she's always speaking life. She's speaking life in situations that are dead, whether it be situations with our kids that I'm like, ah, and I'm, you know, being the, the, the pastor and, and the holy guy, I'm like, this is not going to happen. She goes, be quiet. Maybe she said, shut up. She's like, no, we're going to speak life over this situation, and we're going to trust God, and we're going to believe, and we're going to speak life into our children, and we're going to speak life into our church, and we're going to speak life into our finances, and we're going to, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about name it and claim it, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this word of God and standing on the fact that God goes before us, and he takes care of me, and we're like, no, we're not going to settle for what the enemy says, we're going to settle for what God says. By faith, speak life over your situation. Speak life over that which the enemy is trying to steal. Words matter, John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word incarnate. He is the word incarnate. This Jesus that I serve. Oh, don't read the Bible for a year. Are you kidding me? Words matter. John 3, 34, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God. Speak the word of God over others. Look, there, you don't even have to, half the time, people don't even know what you're saying. I mean, I, 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 other job that I do, and I do trainings and I do teachings, and, and I literally take biblical principles and I talk about them when I'm speaking. They have no clue, but I'm speaking the word of God over them. I'm speaking the word of God over them. We used to, when our kids were young, uh, we'd go in their bedroom at nights when they're sleeping, and we'd go in and we'd just speak the word of God over them. We'd just pray over them. You know why? Because we believe, and this word confirms, that words matter. That words matter. Luke 4, 32, and they were astonished by his teaching, his words, Jesus, for they possessed authority. Life and death are in your words. When you walk out this building today, know that you know that you know that James says, that Jesus says, that life and death are in the power of your tongue. And you have the ability to, to, to bring someone to life, or you have the ability to bury someone and, 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 and take them down. Those are scary thoughts. We possess this word, the word of God, that, that Hebrews said is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It, it is alive, and when I speak this word over someone, when I pray this word, when I grab a hold of this word, it changes people. It changes me. It changes you. And James says in verse 8, but no human, human being can tame the tongue. It is a relentless evil full of deadly poison. Uh-oh. He literally says, we can't control the words that come out of our mouth. You ever feel that way? They say, ah, can I just take them back? You can't. What you can do is not allow them to settle in the, 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 the soil of your soul. If someone speaks something over you or to you, don't let it settle in the soil of your soul. Uproot it. Speak God's word, Romans 12, cleansing, and don't allow the enemy to have a foothold because some idiot spoke a lie. 
don't do it. We have to fight. We have to fight for this word. We have to fight for it in our marriages, in our, in our children, in our relationships. And James is very clear about this. He says our tongues are more powerful than we, we are. They control us just as a bit guides a horse or a rudder steers a massive ship. He's being real clear because he knows that they would understand these illustrations. And then God comes in and declares that taming the tongue is impossible. That's a scary thought. He says this in verse 9. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. It's like, whoa, these two things. You know who he's talking to? He says there's two contrary ways that we use our tongues. One is it's cursing and one is blessing. And you know who he's talking to? He's describing you and I. Put the timer on. I say that in jest. So uh, when I play hockey with my friends, um, <laughs> they often say to me, probably Mike and, 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 and Mark, they, they, go, they go, oh, 15 minutes. Oh, 12 minutes. Oh, five minutes. And I go, oh, boy. They go, it only took you five minutes to take your stick and hit someone across the chest. It only took you five minutes to yell at someone. He's describing you and me. Put the timer on. Walk out this building. See how long before the words that James is talking about that don't bring life come forth out of your mouth. And once you hear that, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit bring conviction. Once you hear that, it should be an awakening. And once you have that awakening, then you got to go back to, out of the abundance of heart, so a man speaketh. And then you got to back up again. you got to go, okay, then I need to renew. I need to renew the heart. I need to take this word and I need to eat it. I need to take this word and I need to digest it. Because it only took 12 minutes for me to come in church, hear this word, drive out this driveway, and flip that guy off. I, not me. I'm saying you guys. You know you're in trouble. <laughs> James is describing us. The, the power of words to curse another person is to condemn them. It, you're condemning them. It, it is to wish them to be cut off from the blessing. It can even mean a prayer to send them to hell. You ever spoke those words to the hell with you? Dear Jesus, stop and think about what we say. Take a moment and think about, and here's what's even more perplexing, what we say to the ones that we love. We save some of our harshest words for those whom we say we love the most. Is that crazy? It sounds hopeless. In fact, James says it's impossible. What he's saying is impossible is this, that there's no gap. That's impossible this side of heaven. Only Jesus. What he's saying is, is this, this little tongue, this little rudder is so powerful that, that you're never going to be, you know, the, the no gap, this side of heaven. So then he finishes with this in 11 and 12. Does a spring 
pour forth. And, he, and in this, he gives us the answer to what do we do. He says, does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt pond yield fresh water. In, in other words, out of the abundance of the heart, so a man speaks. What's in here comes out. There's no way around it. Because someone will press you. Someone will push a button. And it will be revealed. James 3.11, he says this. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can you have the word of God deep in your soul and out of it come cursing? Out of it come, come these, these vile things? Can that be? Let me tell you, if this word isn't in you, if this word isn't being eaten, if this word isn't being stand upon, if this word isn't renewing your mind and your soul, the fresh water won't come forth. Let me, let me give a, a caveat of, of, therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. Look, we, we, and this is what James says. We all screw up. We all have moments. But, but what James is saying is, think about the context. A spark can, can burn thousands of acres. So think about it for a moment, what your words can do. He understands, in fact, he says it's impossible to eliminate not saying stupid things. He, he understands that, but he says, just, just close the gap. Just close the gap. Salt water and fresh water can't come from the same place. Completely different sources. Same with words of blessings or cursing. So the question that we have to ask this morning is this. What source are you drawing your water from these days? Is it Fox News, MSNBC, Howard Stern, radio, TV, drinking buddies, or is it the Word of God? Is it the Word of God? He says, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? And this is the whole James is saying, look, the people are going to know you by your fruit. You know, you say, I love Jesus, and then you're over here and you, you don't love Jesus. People see. They're not stupid. What fruit are people eating off in your lives? What's the fruit that they eat? What do they taste when they experience you? Bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, cursing? Or do they experience life? Do they experience peace? Do they experience joy? Do they experience Jesus? See, this, this whole thing about engaging your, your friends is all predicated upon, or, or uh, an important part, as James is, is talking about, is, look, when you engage your workplaces and you engage your neighborhoods and you engage your friends, I, I'm, I'm believing that we're renewing so that when we engage them, we're engaging them with Jesus. Sounds logical. So now what? What do we do? Okay, a little conviction. Hey, pastor, I, okay, maybe you're right there. Maybe, I, you know, what? now what? Repent. It all starts there. Just repentance. Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, have mercy. 
I, 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 God, forgive me. Start here because you know why? This is the humbling of your soul. God, I know who I am. And apart from you, I'm a sinner. And apart from you and your word, I'm vile. Apart from you and who you are, I can be the biggest idiot that's ever known to man. So he says, repent. Some of us in here need to repent for the way we're speaking to our wives. Some of us need to repent for the way we're speaking to our husbands, our siblings, co-workers. Start here with humility and repentance. The Bible says this in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive. He forgives us in our sins and the cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It's where we start. But then, then how do I control my words? Through power of the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. It's being engaged with the Holy Spirit. It's engaging the Holy Spirit. It's asking the Holy Spirit to guide, to lead, to direct, to, as I read this word, to renew my mind, to wash away all that stuff. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's the only way that I'm going to do this. Romans 8, 10 through 11. But if Christ is in you, first question, but if Christ is in you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, there's no way. You have no chance. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and only by His power can I be the man that God's called me to be. Can I speak the truth that God's called me to be? Can I speak the kindness that God's called me to be? Can I do what God has called me to be? That it's no other way. Impossible. How do I control my words? It is written. I referenced it earlier. Jesus says, it is written. It is written. It is written. How do I control my words? It is written. I take this word and I replace me and my attitudes and my stuff with this word, this holy word that changes me. It makes me the man or the woman that God calls me to be. It is written. How do I control my words? Prayer. I, the, the guy that I met with, the pastor that I fear for, had part of it right. Prayer. And in fact, in Matthew 14, it says that very thing. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountains by himself and prayed. Jesus went away and prayed. You, you want to know how you control your words, your attitudes, your anger, all, all these things? The Word of God, prayer. How do I control my words? Every single day. Each and every day. The days I missed, or the days I miss, it, it's, it's not pretty. <laughs> the days I'm not in this Word, the days I'm not engaging the, uh, Jesus Gets a little sketchy. Matthew 6 says, give us this day our daily bread. You don't have tomorrow. You don't have next week. You've got right now. 
And what you say to the ones you love right now makes a difference right now. How do I do it? Have you guys seen this before? It's what we've talked about since January 1st. Word, prayer, day. You want to engage Jesus? You want to be a different man, a different woman, a different husband, a different wife, a different friend? Word, prayer, each and every day. And, and, and I don't mean it in a, in a, in a, uh, a religious way. Oh, I've got to read my word today. No, I'm, uh, I mean it in a way that I, I've fallen in love with the creator of heaven and earth. So much so that there's an intimacy that I need. In the, in the same way, I need to have connection with her. I need to talk to her. And, and I talk to her in 50 different forms throughout the day. Two or three different forms, 50 different times throughout the day. Because I need to, to have that relationship with her. And it's the same with the Father. We need to have that relationship, that depth, that, that, that changes us. And it happens when I read this word each day. When I pray and I get away and I come, have conversation with Jesus each and every day. Each and every day. Finish with what James said in chapter 1 says this, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. He's a foolish man, a foolish woman. Don't forget. Don't forget. Go today. Go and be the church this week with your words. Be the church. Let people attach who you say you are and what you do. Let them see the two tethered together. And let them see Jesus. Let them see hope. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning, God. I thank you for your word. Oh, God, forgive me. For loose words. Forgive me for foolishness. God, that I, that I might renew my mind with your word. God, that I might wash my soul and my spirit with the truth of your word. Oh God, so that others would see you. Lord, forgive me for that gap that is way too big. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would invade our lives, that you would change us, that we would never be the same, so that we might bring the hope of you, Christ Jesus, to this lost world. Oh God, let us be the church. Let us be the hands and feet of Jesus. God, I send these men and women out these doors to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I send them in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit by the Father. In your precious name, amen. Amen. You know, as we stay in this attitude of prayer, can you throw me a communion? We're going to receive communion. I, I love receiving communion after these kind of messages because it, it's, it's an immediate whoosh, flipping. In other words, I, I, okay, 
I'm convicting myself as I preach up here. As, as the Spirit comes and speaks to you and goes, ah, what about that, John? What about that, Chris? What about that? And fill in the blank. Communion is, is, it just becomes even more beautiful and powerful and more significant because I, I go to the cross and, and, and it says, literally, the word says that on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread that represented his body that was broken for me. And, and he said, take it and eat it and remember who I am and what I did for you. They took the bread and they ate. And then he took the wine. Again, there's just the power of, of the representation of this wine that just washes away. Look, when you walk out of this place, it's not a, a beating that anybody took. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, you're going to walk out of here no condemnation, no guilt, because this blood, this wine that represents his blood, I'm taking whatever it is the Holy Spirit is speaking to me to the cross. I'm going, I'm leaving it there because of the power that is in this blood. Dear Jesus, thank you. Oh, Holy Father. What? I mean, that is an unbelievable promise. That's why we receive communion. And as you drink this, or before you drink this, just take it to the cross and leave it there. It says in the night that he was betrayed, he took the wine and he drank it. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you don't leave us as we were. Your word clearly says in 2 Corinthians, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Oh God, I thank you for what you did on the cross some 2,000 years ago that we might have life and have it more abundantly. God, I pray that over the men and women here today. Abundant life, the abundant life of Jesus, the abundant life of Jesus, the abundant life of Jesus. In your precious name we pray.